Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Uh, welcome in. It's good to be on this side of the camera with you for the first time since I think January when we were talking uh, NFL draft. And I believe I said the Broncos might should go after Pat Sertan. That worked out okay so far. It did. Let me just say, Scott, I love breakfast for dinner, so this is perfect right now. It's good to have you on here. It's good to talk about the Broncos' upcoming game. Uh, for those wondering, Chad's enjoying a little R&R with his family. He's actually pacing in his hotel room right now on the phone probably working but he's getting away for a few days and scott's filling in at least for tonight so i'm good to see you. it's good to see you scott i'm glad you're here well i appreciate being here and you know i'm in the i'm in the, the i think i think nationwide is waffle house but i'm in waffle house country here in the deep south so we firmly believe in breakfast for dinner so good know, stuff. And, and as far as i'm concerned as long as i've got enough food i'm happy it can be it can be That's pretty right. much anything just just feed me that's right. Feed me just like Zeke. But anyway, guys, we're going to start tonight. We're going to talk about week six upcoming game, the Broncos homestand uh, against the Las Vegas Raiders. And what is going to be, Scott, I believe one way or the other, a really interesting final result. The Broncos are going to win this game and, and further drive the stake into the Vegas season and all their turmoil or or. Vegas is going to come into the Broncos building with an interim head coach and really ruin, I think, the Broncos' playoff chances. We have the injury report we're going to get into, and then after we do the matters of business after that, we're going to talk about what Pat Shermer had to say today. And spoiler alert, it was not illuminating, it was not enlightening, it was not even smart. It was pretty sad, pretty Shermer-like, actually. So. I wish you would tell us how you really feel. The beating around the bush and the, you know, trying not to hurt people's feelings. I know. I think that's the hard part I have with you when I'm listening. You know, it's just tough. I I have a hard time. Uh, And yes, sarcasm is like a second language to me. So uh, I apologize. I'm trying to be more open. You know, I'm trying to be more communicative (laughs) about my feelings about Pat Shermer. But we got a pretty long injury report for both teams, it seems like, Scott. Uh, starting with the DNPs, the only one on the list, the first guy on the list is Mike Ford, the quarterback. He's not going to play. He's out probably for a few games or so. Looks like Melvin Gordon got in a limited practice after sitting out Wednesday. He'll be fine. Same for Kareem Jackson, who has, I wrote the story today, a back issue coming out of week five. He should be okay. Mike Purcell's full. He's fine. Ronald Darby, another full practice, Scott. He's coming back and ready to make his... I would say a Broncos debut again after only playing in week one, a handful of snaps. Shelby's fine. Simmons is fine. Sutton's fine. Aaron Patrick doesn't really matter. looks like he's going to play anyway, though. But uh, what are your takeaways from the Broncos uh, Thursday report? Uh, the big one for me is the one that you highlighted was Ronald Darby. Um, that that one's huge. Um, we can start. We can get into schemes. We can get into all these things. And sometimes I think the schemes look a little better if Darby is out there instead of instead of Fuller at times. Um, yeah. So that that's a, this was the first time this last game where I felt the injuries really, really showed up 
uh, in this game across different levels of the team. So, um, you know, there's some there's some guys in there. They call them old guy days uh, for some of these guys taking some rest, the OG days. But having Darby back full in practice and if he's fully good to go, uh, that's a big addition right there. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Yeah, I'm interested to see who they replace when Darby comes back. Who takes a seat on the bench, technically? Will it be Sertan or will it be Kyle Fuller? Vic Fangio was asked that yesterday, and he goes, you know, uh, ask me again Friday. I have a better answer for you. So I'm looking forward to what he says tomorrow. Scott, I'd be really surprised, though, if they don't sit Kyle Fuller. It, you know, I know they paid him what they paid him for one year, but he's been a liability in coverage, and you got to take that chance to get better, especially against this Raiders team that loves to throw the ball. One little footnote about them that I discovered today – they currently have the fourth best passing attack in the NFL. You wouldn't really think that with, you know, the roster they've assembled and the two-game losing streak, but number four overall in air yards, they can air it out, and the Broncos' defense has been susceptible. Well, and, and I'm of the firm belief that I don't listen to what people say publicly, especially coaches. They lie so much they don't call it lying. They call it coach speak that I want to see what they do right. on Sunday. And that, that'll, that'll tell the tale. Yeah, it's like, what do they say? That's kind of, you, you can find out a little bit here and there and read between the lines and all that type of stuff, but we won't really know until until we see. So uh, I, I just think um, with the injuries, and you're not getting Josie Jewell back, but that was one you missed uh, against the Steelers. I think um, he was playing so well before he got hurt that, you know, giving up the running attack to the Steelers, he's there to shut some of that down. And then again, we can get into schemes and whether this coverage is a mistake, that coverage is a mistake or whatnot, but personnel can help cover up some of those, mis even if yeah. they are mistakes, they can help cover them up for you. And Ronald Darmy is one of those guys. You mentioned Fuller. Um, as expensive as he is, the one-year deal doesn't, to me doesn't guarantee him a spot on the field. If he had a three-year contract and there was an investment in there for him where you're like, dude, we've got $36 million into this guy. We got to make sure he's playing. So if he doesn't step up his form, he's he's going to find himself down the totem pole. What's ironic is the guy you're describing there with, with the multi-year investment is actually Darby. So going by your logic, they have to get him on the field. And at this point, I'm playing my number nine overall pick. I think he's played really more uh, well than badly through his first five games in Patrick Sertan, and I'm putting Darby out there. Wherever Kyle Fuller can fit in, he can fit in. But uh, his days temporarily as a starter should come to an end. And, uh, you know, finishing up this this right here, because right now, I, I agree with you, I'd probably go four. You know, if everybody's 
even close to healthy right now, the way they're playing, Darby, Sertan, Callahan, Fuller. Right. At best. Which way am I going over here? This small screen's throwing me off. Uh, let's run through this real quick, and then we're going to get to uh, Michaela, um, who's coming in with a another just awesome as always uh, YouTube uh, super chat, and then we can run through the rankings again that I that we've compiled up. But yeah, um, on here when we start looking at the DNPs, Jonathan Hankins, big defensive tackle, uh, Quentin Jefferson, another big defensive tackle, and then everybody else was fairly was was fairly good to go. Uh, some limited in here, um, as as big as that was. Um, and, and here's the bad news for them is they're not real good at stopping the run. They're, they're not a good run defense. And if they're starting to lose big bodies up the middle, well, I'd like to say it's obvious where I would attack them, but right now obvious in the Denver Broncos offense, that only becomes yeah. a negative <laughs> when they are off, when they are playing obvious and are very predictable. You know, something that was interesting on there that jumped out to me was Jonathan Abram. You know, the, the Raiders defense, as you're intimating, Scott, they don't have a whole lot of talent, especially in the secondary. Jonathan Abram is one of their better players. He was full yesterday and limited today. And I think it was a shoulder and calf issue that was listed for him. So something to monitor and maybe a player to target if he does play. But like you said, that would require the Broncos offensive coaches growing brains and they haven't done that to this point. If they were to do that, I think they can make some hay against the Raiders secondary, but I guess we shall see. You can be obvious in your scheme without being obvious in your play calling. Uh, yeah, we want to establish the run. They're right. not real good at right. stopping the run. That doesn't mean I'm going to run the ball on exactly. first and 10 every time. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm going to run it on second and nine because they knew I was coming the first time and I'm lucky to get a yard. doesn't mean I need to run it again on second and nine every time. Uh, but I want to establish the run. And the the overall numbers, the average per carry, and there's a Javante Williams highlight run every game. And then I look yeah. at the box court at the end of the day, and he's got eight carries. 17 total carries between Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Both were averaging, I believe, over six yards About a carry. Six yards a carry, and you get less than 20 carry. You know, And part of that is because you know there, there's some outliers in there where maybe a long run strengthens that out some. But there's so many three and outs because you're going run, run, pass, run, run, pass, third and eight, second and nine, third and eight, off the field. Uh, it's it's, frust it's frustrating, with, without a doubt. So... Um, I want to say hello to Michaela, who says hello to me. Hello. Uh, it's good to be on here. I think we're a little early for you on Broncos for breakfast, but uh, I'm, I'm usually in the background and see what an amazing contributor you are to, to Mile High Huddle and all the things that we're able to do here. Um, she asked, uh, wanted to know, does anyone like Shermer? He's the worst. And hi, Scott. Nice to see your smiling face. This, this show puts a smile on my face. I enjoy being here. So thank you so much. Um, MHH forever, too. I, I want to echo that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Does anybody like Shermer? You know, I, I tried to go through, you know, and getting prepared because, you know, I've listened to you a lot more than you've listened to me. So I know where you stand on most things. And I'm trying to go through on Pat Shermer through his resume thinking, how is he still here? <laughs> you know, what, what on his resume says that this is the guy? This is the guy I've, I've got to have. He had a decent couple of years in Philly taking over for an Andy Reid team who, you know, Andy Reid's one of the best offensive minds that we've, we've had in, in NFL. Um, and then after that, 
most of his rankings on offense across the board, there's a lot of 20s. There's a lot of 20s in there. So what makes you think this is the guy? This is the guy I need. I mean, man, he's been so good. I got to have this guy. Your question was, why is he still here? I can take it a step further and ask, why was he hired? And that's what, yeah, I, I kind of started with that and then went back to why was he hired instead of leading with that first. He was always the saltine that he's come to be in Denver. He's always been a very vanilla, bland play caller. And we'll get into it, but I want to just tease one of his quotes today. He was pretty much, uh, a reporter pointed out to him that maybe you should think about going more up-tempo. And he said, huh, that's a good idea. I mean, when you're an NFL coordinator up there and you're admired and embattled and you're saying something like that and really indicting yourself, I mean, the guy is just completely incompetent. But let's take a straw poll. And I might do this on Twitter as well. It gives me a good idea. Leave a little hand-raising emoji in the comment section if you like Pat Shermer. I mean, this isn't Mean Girl, Scott. We're not trying to, like, exclude anyone over here. But if anyone's uh, deserving of exclusion, it's definitely Pat Shermer. You know, and there's guys that you can even like that you think, okay, it's they need to move on. Um, you know, taking it to the Falcons, which, you know, everybody drink. When Nick says Iowa, we have to drink. And when I say Atlanta Falcons, we have to drink. So we're we're rocking in the morning. But Dan Quinn was a very likable person. But it was time for him to move on at head coach. He wasn't becoming successful for one reason or another. He wasn't having a lot of success after his initial success. It was time for him to move on. So you can like somebody and think they're a good person and, and and still say that they're it's time for them to to move on but is there any warm feelings at all here you usually have to have some success first to 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 get that going I mean, what's to like about him? I mean, personally, he seems like a nice guy, but so did Vance Joseph. Vance was the ultimate, I want to grab a beer and just kind of shoot the crap with, and he just wasn't a good head coach. And you talk about Dan Quinn, it's the same affliction as Vic Fangio. Great defensive coordinator, as Quinn's proving in Dallas this year, but a really below-average head coach. It's not cut out for everyone, but you can even argue that Pat Shermer shouldn't even be a coordinator. He maybe should be a quarterback's coach or some low-level assistant. The game has passed him by. I think he was a hanger-on to people like Andy Reid and uh, those around him that achieved that success. He really blew up a little bit after the Minnesota Miracle with Case Keenum and tied his wagon to that star, which was a bad idea. Uh, he never really blew me away when the Broncos made that hire. They didn't just take one step backward, which is is a cardinal sin in this evolving league. They took multiple leaps backward, and we're seeing the end results now. Yeah, there's there's inspired hires and then there's meh hires. And that was a meh. Um, you know, I can see why the, you know, if you look at the numbers, come from the outside looking in and just look at the overall numbers. I think Denver was the year before they hired him was like 29th overall in offense and they had some 100 level of of output on offense. So, forget, you know, but Scott, this is why. Okay, I get that. But let's say I'm just looking at it and saying, okay, 29th in offense, had 145 yards or 170 yards against this team, 210 against this team. Okay, I can see why they made a, a change. But why him? You know, why why this guy? What was what was your thought process? What was at the time? What was he bringing to the table that was going to take the Denver Broncos offense up? You know, more than three spots to 26. 
Unfortunately, it's a question that only Vic Fangio can answer, and he's never going to answer that question, you know, even after he's long gone from Denver. He wanted him. He thought that Rich Scangarello was doing something negative with the Broncos offense, like going 4-1 and with a rookie quarterback. Uh, he wanted someone, I think, that had a little more street credit in the NFL, more name recognition, but that rarely translates. I mean, this is a, a up-and-coming kind of league. You're seeing 30-year-olds get head coaching jobs. You're seeing really young guys blossom, where in other times they wouldn't have. You had to really pay your dues like Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer did, but this is still the central point. The game has passed them by. The game has evolved, and they didn't keep up with it, and it's been to the Broncos' detriment through yeah, as an, two as years. As an old guy myself, I take a little umbrage with the old things. You can be old and good, and you can be young and bad. It's not because he's old. It's because he hasn't evolved. He hasn't gotten better. He's just uh, you know, would you take Andy Reid as your offensive coordinator if he says, you know what, I just don't want to coach anymore. I want to sit up in the booth and call plays. Hell yeah, I would. And he's, you know, eight to ten years older than that guy. I'd take Andy Reid in a heartbeat. Um, so he's just old style thinking. He's slow, you know, it's 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 frustrating. But um, you know, we can move on on from there. Uh, I know there's some more things that you want to hit on as we get ready to talk about the Raiders. Yeah, we could, we should probably go through the matters of business to start. Just a little quick reminder. We'll keep this brief, guys. It's going to be a little bit of a uh, uh, seat of our pants pod tonight. But be sure to follow the Huddle Up Pod on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. Follow Scott, not Chad, on Twitter at Scout Kennedy, not Scott Kennedy, Scout, S-C-O-U-T. Follow myself at Kelberman NFL. If you haven't already, go to HuddleUpPod.com and get your swag on. Scott, doesn't. he's not wearing any. He doesn't like the Huddle Up Podcast enough to wear any. Huddle up pods, swat, but there's a, a coffee I, I cup. I my Broncos for breakfast. I'm much. sure. I, I do have that. Um, and, get that. Uh, I, Show I, it I off. I haven't been around long enough to get uh, a shirt. I need to get a shirt. Be sure, guys, get your shirts, coffee cups, anything you want there. Also, Facebook.com slash Huddle. Hit that big blue button, become a supporter. Kelperman's Corner, Broncos Book Club, Trickle Zone, every single weekend. We appreciate your patronage. Also, Facebook.com slash Huddle Pod. Like that page and follow that page. And if you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest, Scott included, a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. But if you haven't done any of those things, subscribe, like, and share. We'll remind you one more time at the end of the video, we want to get Scott, if we can, to the Facebook stars and that update. But we're going to uh, just drop this knowledge on you. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. All right. And uh, while we're doing this, let's uh, let's take a look at where we are ranked right now on the month in stars. I think we want to pull that up here shortly and if uh we this is the third month what we've done a raffle on stars it was von miller and then it was uh who was that was it justin it was justin simmons is this it was justin simmons last month and now it's pat sertan this month um so everybody that contributes if you get to 500 stars or more you get your name in a bucket the more you contribute the more tickets you buy it's just just like a raffle um so I know those are supposed to be coming up, and we are also doing the uh, super chat are are people that are coming in as well. So let me share that screen here real quick while we're waiting on those to come up. And I went through these today, and we'll zoom this in just a little bit more and update it because if y'all were here yesterday, there were super chats flying all over the place last night. So we had some big movers up here, and you saw. Michaela's still sitting on top. Christy at uh, the top three didn't change, but Seth moved up. Um, DW, that's Dale, I believe, is is his name. Uh, Mark moves up five spots. Shane drops because these guys came in. Brian Greenfield drops because these guys came in. And then Zeus, Stu McPeak, 
made his debut. He had an NA here because he wasn't in there at all and all and jumps all the way up into the top 10. Uh, Aaron Lynch, Chris Hernandez, Corey, and Simon are rounding out that bunch as well. So appreciate you on YouTube as well as – and Michaela did nothing but just extend her lead today yeah. um, as, as she is wont to do. Love you guys, though. Thank you so much for every single one of your stars. And uh, you never cease to amaze Scott, myself, or Chad. Thank you guys so much. And uh, here's the where we're ranking right now as far as the, the raffle for the Pat Sertan jersey. <clears throat> now – 32% complete. We are on the 14th day of a 31-day month. My quick math says that is probably about 42, 43%. So we're a little behind. Is this a Sertan thing? Do we need to do we need to up it? You know, it, I think Sertan, that's going to be a, a great jersey. That's a great jersey to have. Uh, as he had his ups and downs as a rookie? Yeah. Yeah, he has. The NFL's hard. If I look at the quarterback rankings and I see four rookie quarterbacks at the very end of those rankings, I got one one phrase for you to remember. The NFL's hard. It's hard. Um, but he's going to be a really, really good player for this Denver Broncos team for a long time. I mean, right now he's second in uh, defensive rookie of the year uh, favorites behind Michael Parsons. And if, with a, with a, if he stays consistent, I think he's going to be right neck and neck with him the and entire it, year. And frankly, Zach, it's a much harder position. Uh, I have yeah. talked for years about guys, if I don't know what to do with them and they're athletes – I don't care if they're 220 or they're 280. Put their hand in the dirt on third down and say, go get the quarterback. That's your only job. That's all you have to do. Learning the coverages and all of the chaos that goes on in the back seven is much harder than going up and playing an edge when it comes to uh, learning how to play this game. For sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, Champ Bailey 2.0, I think that was a little hyperbole, but uh, a couple years' time, I think all pro is very realistic for Pat Sertan. So if you want his jersey, I would highly recommend getting that now. Could be a collectible someday. Yep, and so if we look at the the rankings, Randy Jones has jumped to the top of the heap. We don't have the wow. uh, the arrows on this one, but I know that one's a, a new one. Uh, Mama Muti at number two. Michael Ranquillo coming in. Always. He's on all of our shows. I certainly appreciate that. Uh, Shane is coming in and is, uh, I think Shane's on, on both, on YouTube, in the leaderboard on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, Peter always helping us out. Uh, you know what I like? One of the things I like about Peter, besides the fact that he's always here, is this is backwards for him. This actually is Broncos for breakfast. I think it's probably yep. 8 or 9 a.m. wherever he happens to be. And Lawrence always coming in as well uh, for 5 and 6 on the Facebook Stars contributors. We certainly appreciate y'all. Uh, Josh Hoyle, Andrew Lampy, uh, or Lamp, sorry if I messed that up, Gary Leagues Palmer, and I've seen Tim Hoffman, I'm pretty sure, come in several times today um, and I haven't highlighted those like I normally would because uh, it's tough for me to see and talk here at the exact same time so you have to forgive me on this I will look back through this and make it up to y'all on future pods for sure uh, yeah we're gonna get into now now that's taken care of we want to talk about the presser that Fangio and Pat Shermer had today ahead of week six but uh uh, Chad reminded us, Scott, that we missed a super from the other night, and we said we'd make it up to him from Team Jokic. Jokic? I think it's Jokic. Yok- I don't know, whatever. Christian, we appreciate you. 199 super, he asked. He said, Raiders lost their head coach. Wish we could say the same. 
I mean, it's one you can fire a head coach and go about it the right way. I wouldn't really want the head coach of the Broncos resigning in disgrace because his emails leaked out. I mean, they can do it the easier way than that. Uh, I think it, it's fate accompli at this point, though, Scott. Unless Fangio decides to you know become more competent and uh, kind of hold those around him accountable, he's not shown any growth, and I think it's only a matter of time before the Broncos do replace him with hopefully a young, offensive-minded guy. Yeah, you feel, you know, there's guys that you don't necessarily want on the team, and then they get hurt. You're like, crap, that's not what I meant. I didn't want them injured. I just wanted them benched. Um, you know, so I'm not doing a sack dance on on John Gruden, if, whether I like the Raiders or not. That's right. that's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to him. It's embarrassing to the Raiders. It's embarrassing to the NFL. It's embarrassing to uh, Demarie Smith. It's embarrassing to everybody involved in this and – you know, I, I don't know what to, to say. I mean, the, the right outcome for the Raiders, I think, has has come forward as far as let's move on, um, accept his resignation or force his resignation or whatever. And then, you know, hopefully uh, the league can put this behind him and, and get better and get better about things. You just don't want that cloud hanging over the Broncos organization. They're way more, I think, respected than that. Classy, I think you could say, professional uh, so it, it's 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 always exciting when you replace a head coach, and a lot of Raiders fans didn't like John Gruden, but just be patient with Fangio. If the Broncos or when the Broncos replace them, they don't have to go about it, you know, mired in controversy. Yeah, and, and again, you mentioned you, you hit it on the top of the show about this being an inflection point um, for both teams, really. Yeah, I, I actually think this game means more to the Denver Broncos than it does to the Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders season has been defined. It's been defined. Right. This is what people are going to remember from this year, whether they win this game or not, whether they go to the playoffs or not, they're going to remember this season for the wrong reasons for the Good Las point. Vegas Raiders. The Broncos are going to come out of this either three and three lost three straight or four and two. And we should have a winning record after a four and two start for goodness sakes. And that's what we said about the three and O start. The three and O start gave you a cushion. Um, against you know a, a tough AFC North, and then going into you're in one of the hardest divisions in the NFL, and maybe you, it gives you a cushion where if you get swept by the Chiefs or swept by the Chargers, you have that cushion, that three and zero cushion now. Nine and seven, that's sixteen games again, isn't it? Nine and eight or ten and seven should be enough to get you in the playoff. And if you're three and zero, that's just seven and seven. You go five hundred the rest of the way, but it's got to start this weekend. Even if they do win this game, though, there's going to be a large portion of the fan base that says, well, they beat up a Raiders team that just lost their head coach. I mean, how much could this win so matter? I, I don't really care about that. I want them, you know, obviously to win, but it's also going to be how they win, how they play in this game, Scott. If they come out with a lack of intensity, a lack of passion, a lack of wanting to take down their hated rivals and really just drive that stake into them. I mean, coming off two straight bad losses, they were they pretty much no-showed for three and a half quarters last week at Pittsburgh. They have to come out with some fire and prove they belong. I don't want them to limp to four and two. I want them to make an emphatic statement to get to four and two. Well, in in coming out and playing hard, and and we said that going into last week. It's after you get bullied by the Ravens. You can go to Pittsburgh and lose, but you got to have a response. You've got to have a response in that game. Well, you had one. It was the wrong one. Uh, you got bullied again. The, yeah. the AFC North team has said, we can run on this team. We can we can beat up this team. We can beat up their offensive front. We can beat up their defensive front. And, and, and they got bullied some. And 
that that can't happen. As soon as that happens, then you're you're in a lot of trouble. So you definitely you, this is it. You didn't have a response last week. You've got to have a response this week for sure. From a morale standpoint, not even just the losing streak, to come home and to lose to your rivals that, again, just lost their head coach. And when your season's on the line, there's no reason they should not beat this Raiders team. I don't care if it's by one point or 100 points. There's no reason for the Broncos to lose this game. If they do, considering all that's out there right now, the static about Fangio, Pat Shermer, Tom McMahon, there's going to be a domino to fall. Wow. Speak. What? The Facebook guy's like, what? What are you talking about? This is what we're talking Jesus about. Jesus Christ. Mark. Mark. Wow. Chad's hair just blew off again. It, it was temporarily reattached and it blew off. Wow, Mark. What is there even to say, man? I got to send you a text. Well, here's, this, this is, <laughs> I got to thank you. I'm going to say, Mark from Georgia. I think you're down in Savannah. So that's a little far from me. Jeez. I'm going to get you a Broncos for breakfast mug. So email, I think it's, is it milehighhuddle at gmail.com? Yes. Is that right? Yep. Email, make sure they have your address and I'm going to send you a Broncos for breakfast mug, Georgia boy to Georgia boy. Um, people don't realize, you know, in the West, I didn't realize how big this dang country was until I moved out West. Um, but Savannah actually is about four and a half hours from Atlanta, from where I live. That's a, it's a pretty good hike, but I'm going to send you a Broncos for breakfast mug as a a small token of appreciation from all of us um, to say thank you, especially since you've got, you know, me in there. Um, thank you, you know, for not just tuning out when you saw saw this guy from Georgia in here. Um, thank you. Mark, we got to carve your bust out in marble for this podcast. I mean, what you just dropped is the equivalent of, you know, 100 mugs. I mean, that's a small, small token of our appreciation, but very well-deserved. Mark says, what's up, my guy? Hashtag Zach the Man, hashtag Hey Scott, hashtag, and as always, go Broncos. As always, Mark, from the bottom of my soul, thank you so much. It, the generosity is mind-blowing, astonishing, literally unreal. You are incredible. Thank you. Nothing more to say. Thank you. Yeah, um, that's it. Um, again, just like I <laughs> said, you, make Mark. sure we did. I want to I send you a mug. They're they're slick. It's uh, it's the least the least we can do. Uh, wow. Mark, Mark, uh, Lindenberg, what a guy. If I said that right. He, uh, oh, he's from Dallas. Mark, you're from Dallas? Well, that's not too far from here. We'll work this out then. I'll, I'll get another mug, and we're going to have coffee together. Uh, I've got a couple baseball players from Dallas, Georgia. That's only about an hour from me, which isn't that far, even if we meet three-quarters of the way over. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get that fixed. We're going to live stream it. It's Broncos for breakfast in real life with Mark. We're gonna, yeah, we'll do Broncos for breakfast from a Starbucks or something. For some reason, I thought you were down in Savannah or Brunswick, down in that area, which is – but Dallas is straight across. It's 30 miles uh, west of me. That's not far at all. So, wow. what were we Incredible. saying? I don't even remember. That. I don't remember. I just – I feel like uh... – I uh, in, ingested an illegal substance right now because Mark we is so incredible. We're talking about a response. We got one. March has had the response. That's the kind of response I want to <laughs> see from the from the yeah. Broncos. I want I want them to because the danger, Zach. The danger of this is, uh, and I, I did this this morning, so I'm going to do it again. Is if they lose this game, the players are going to go like this. I know which way the wind's blowing. These guys are gone. I the coaching staff's gone. We're going to bide our time and we're going to wait. You know, we're just going to go through the motions for the rest of the season. This is going to be a lost season and we'll see who comes in next year. That's, that's how I feel this season can turn. If 
you go zero and three after the three and zero start. I, I think you. I thought you were doing this because that's basically what a lot of the big players are going to want to do if they lose three straight games. And all this would do, Scott, is prove, I think definitively, that the Broncos are better than the Giants, the Jets, and the Jaguars, but they're not as good as the Ravens, the Steelers, and even the Raiders. It's a big checkpoint game for Denver. If they lose this, this is not a hot take. If they lose this game, the season's over. There's no coming back from that. No, I, I, I'm not one for hyperbole or over-exaggeration. And if I do, I'll say, hey, I'm exaggerating. But I, I agree with you. Um, I, I agree it's with tough. you. Now, one of the things that could help upset that a little bit is, is some of the guys coming back from injury. Uh, Ronald Darby is one of those guys this week. So you should get a shot of energy from someone like Ronald Darby coming back. And the one that I need to see on the field that I think – You've really, really missed the last couple of weeks. It's Gary Judy. Um, coming into the season, if you're looking at everybody fully healthy, you go probably Corton Sutton's my number one. Jerry Judy's my number two. Uh, and then some order of Tim Patrick and, and KJ Hamler are three and four. Well, Sutton's not what he was two years ago yet. Judy's been gone. Hamler's gone. So all of a sudden we're talking about you know, a couple of your weapons. So Judy coming back moves him to number one. And I think he was playing at that level in the preseason before he got hurt. He looks fantastic sure. that all of a sudden it makes everybody else. Now your number two receiver just got better. Cause you got a better number one, your number three, et cetera, right. et cetera. So him coming back could make a big difference. Even if this goes South, that could help get it back on track again, but win this damn game, get Jerry Judy back in and, and let's make a playoff run. But then you have to wonder, I want to make a similar point because it's a player coming back that I want to talk about. You have to wonder, is Pat Shermer going to utilize Jerry Judy when he comes back? I mean, when you're targeting Deontay Spencer over Noah Finn or Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick in the red zone with the game on the line, I mean, that's the level of confidence we're at or lack thereof in Pat Shermer that he wouldn't even be able to utilize your sophomore wide receiver one in Jerry Judy. Another guy coming back this week, though, Scott, is Mike Boone, the Broncos' third running back. They need speed. They need some game-breaking ability. I think he gives what the Broncos lack in Javante and Melvin, but you have to wonder again, even if he's playing, even if he has that ability, will will Pat Shermer utilize his skill set? You I'm just can't given, answer that. And, and, and Zach, if I'm only given 17 carries, what do I need another running back for? <laughs> Good point. I mean, honestly, I like the idea of him coming back. Uh, and having another weapon in there, and and, and you know, especially because it can help on special teams. But Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon aren't getting the ball enough. I don't, I don't need to take carries away from them. They need more carries, not less. Well, listen, Scott, I, listen to me like I'm a six-year-old because that's how I feel. Well, I was told that Philip Lindsay was worth replacing, and Mike Boone was going to be an upgrade. So that's was the logic behind that. I mean, theoretically. He offers pass-catching chops. He can obviously run the ball. He averaged over five yards a carry in his career before coming to Denver. So, he, again, he gives the Broncos an element they don't otherwise have. But, like you're saying, if you get 17 carries combined or five rushing attempts in the second half of a game, like in Baltimore, it's really not going to matter. But on paper, I'm excited about that, that you know, the uh, infusion of speed to the Broncos' offense. Well, I want to say uh, aloha officially to Kiaka. I think this this is one of the, the few times I've been on that I've gotten to say hello. Normally, I'll say hello in the chat. So um, it says, yep, that's me. Hello, aloha. 
It says, Mark, you the man, brother. Yes, you are, Mark. And that's why I got confused. Mark Lindemood came in, and he is the Mark from Georgia in Savannah. Mark from Georgia is from Dallas. Us three may be the only ones on here that that makes any sense to, but we get it. Um, so, uh, Kiaka, certainly appreciate you. Uh, I feel like I got to meet you because I was watching uh, y'all before you got booted out of Mile High Stadium out of there. So, uh, appreciate the support on the show. Appreciate you supporting me while I'm on here and not everybody just bailing tonight. And Naj, Naj is all over the place. Naj, I can set my watch by Naj. When's Naj coming in? Uh, we've got Broncos 16 and 1. I call him the closer because he usually comes in with a super right as we're getting off. And Naj is just, uh, you know, you, like I said, you can set your watch by him. And, and Naj says, uh, hey, brothers, lack of intensity is a direct indictment of the coaching staff. This is the biggest game of the year so far, and if the players can't get fired up for this or come out flat, I think a coaching change is necessary. Um, I don't disagree, which means I agree with you. But uh, does this happen midseason, Zach? And as far as do you remember a, a coordinator change middle season? I don't. I don't remember that happening too often. Uh, I think they fired McCoy, Mike McCoy, in 2017 midseason and replaced him with Musgrave, if I remember correctly. Also, I want to say that Watch by Naj sounds like a fancy cologne, so I think that's something he should consider exploring now that we brought it up. I, I, you know, listen, there's no, there's nothing to suggest right now that they're going to make a change midseason, either with Pat Shermer, uh, Vic Fangio. There's going to be a scapegoat, but I think that first scapegoat, the way Fangio's setting it up, I think he threw Tom McMahon more under the bus than he has Pat Shermer. So to save his own behind, like he did naming Teddy Bridgewater the quarterback over Locke, he's going to try to get rid of everyone else around him first. It's going to take a while before that reaches Pat Shermer's feet. So I think they're going to give it the entire season. They're still 3-2 and two right now. I think they're kind of leaning on that. They still have a winning record. And don't panic just yet, guys. Nothing to see here. I'd be surprised if they made a move midseason. But ask me again in you know four weeks and see what the record is, see how they play, and I'll give you a better answer. Yeah, I think this team's too talented to, for the wheels to completely come off. Um, you know, where you're looking at a, a four and thirteen type of thing. I don't, I don't see that. That or not even four. Let's let's rack that up to like three more wins and say six and eleven. I don't, I don't even see it could get that bad. Um, but again, the way I, the way I kind of feel about this right now from the outside looking in is if they lose this game to this team. And just eke along to an eight and nine record and miss the playoffs. Fangio's a dead man walking. Gone, as he should be. Yeah, the the entire coaching staff I think will be replaced, or at least most of them. Uh, George Payton probably has an understood agreement with John Elway of the Broncos hierarchy. Let's you know we're giving you Vic Fangio, we're thrusting him upon you and all his minions for one more year. But if they don't make the playoffs with this hand-assembled roster that with any other coaching staff, Scott, would produce much better results and probably be an instant wild-card contender. Um, hit the bricks, we'll replace you, Peyton will get his own guy in the building, and I cannot wait to see who that guy will be. Yeah, I'm a, again, taking a look at just purely numbers, just robotically looking at numbers, I'm surprised that Peyton didn't bring his guy in this year. You know, if you've got a, a, a coach with a, a losing record, across the board, been there a couple of years and still losing record, and you're going to bring me in to be a general manager, well, I'm responsible for all this. I, I want my guy. I want my guy that I can trust, that I believe on, and we're going to sink or swim together. Of course, the other thought of this is, is hey, I get a free year. If, <laughs> exactly. if I'm the general manager, I get a free year to try Honeymoon. and start building this yeah. roster 
And then, you know, where nobody's really going to be looking at me, they're all going to be looking at that guy. And then I can can him. And now I've already got a year of my under my belt of, of putting the team together that I want. I'm sure you know this, Scott, living where you do, but the Falcons did it the right way this past offseason. They replaced their coaching staff. They hired a new GM and a new head coach, Terry Fontenot, who I wanted the Broncos uh, job to go to, and Arthur Smith. And that Falcons team, their record doesn't show, but they're starting to play better ball. I think that was a really good pairing, and I think that's going to produce dividends for years to come. But you have to get them on the same page. It rarely works out where you have a first-time GM and an incumbent holdover lame duck head coach. I mean, not even a coach that, that has tenure beyond the upcoming season. This is a guy, it's win or get fired. And when you give a, a first-time GM job to that, in that situation, that's not a recipe for success. No, yeah, and I, I'm, just with my background, I play so much on the personnel department, the scouting and development, and the the drafting, and the signing of the right free agents, and the cap management and stuff, that I I, I believe that's, more important than whoever happens to be the head coach at a, a time, you know, unless there's obviously exceptions. I mean, if I can get Bill Belichick to come here and, and do a system and, and do all those type of things, but it is, it is certainly two separate skill sets without a doubt. Um, and you mentioned Atlanta Falcons drink. Well, I was surprised that Thomas Dimitrov kept his job for as long as he did, because he ran the team like he was the agent of a quarterback on a seven on seven team. Um, and just completely neglected the lines of scrimmage. And, you know, when he did draft defense, he did did pretty good. Um, so he should have been gone when they let Mike Smith go in 2015. Uh, so, so he held on for a long time. And what with a general manager, if you hold on to a general manager too long, they can cripple your cap situation for years because they panic. They absolutely panic and oversign on free agents re-sign guys well we can't lose von miller uh we can't lose von miller let's give him a five-year contract with 65 million guaranteed and have him a dead cap hit of 50 million for the next three years so i like what i've seen from george payton so far i like the situation that the team is in with the cap situation um i like the young roster that is there all of the pieces are there uh but better quarterback play you need better interior offensive line play other than that you're in pretty good shape uh, those are, I wouldn't say easily correctable, but they're not killers either. You can play better than you are playing, and it, it's got to start this weekend. has to. My butt there was they have all these things but the coaching, and it, that's exactly, the last exactly. piece of the puzzle. I'm, I'm looking at this as how, can, can I, how easily is this to fix with a coaching change? The Falcons have big problems. They have big problems. They can play better, and they're still not going to be very good. I'm, I'm okay with that. They're they, Falcons fans aren't going to be, but they didn't live through the eighties and stuff like I did. Um, you know, there's some of them have gotten spoiled over the last 15 years. Um, how quickly can it turn around? If it goes bad and you're seven and 10 at the end of the year, how quickly can this become a 10 and seven, 11 and 16? The pieces are there. The pieces are there that it can turn around fairly quickly. Well, speaking of big problems, let's, let's uh, talk about Pat Shermer, Scott, if we could and pull up his quotes from today. That was the uh, the sell of the show, him talking about John Brown, the Broncos' new speedster wide receiver who they're going to neglect like they, they're doing David Moore, like they did K.J. Hamler. But it was it's Thursday, so it's uh, Pat Shermer's weekly press availability. He had some, I don't want to say interesting things to say. I think they're very Pat Shermer-like things to say. And uh, if we can pull that up, we will for sure break it down. Um, I can read some to you. It's, it's It doesn't 
come up very well for me. Or you know what I might be able to do? Let me, if you can uh, monologue for 30 seconds, I'll, yeah. I'll copy them into a Word document and put them on something me, that, that, that zooms a little better. Yeah, I'm going to actually grab a super while you're doing that. Uh, okay, I, great. I, I saw that base gaze drop something in here. Here it is. Uh, based, as always, you are base. We appreciate you. 499 super. Thank you very much. Uh, base goes, assuming we go 4-3 and three after the Browns game, what is your outlook on the season? I mean, so you're presuming they're going to lose this coming Sunday, but come back and beat the Browns on Thursday night football. I mean, it could happen, but how low would the morale be? It'd be more understandable if they won the upcoming game and lost the Browns game to get to four and three. I just think if they lose to the Raiders at home, two game losing streak, Raiders have an interim head coach, hated rival. If they lose, the morale is going to be through the floor. But to answer your question more directly, it's still a season. There's a 17, 17 week, eight, 17 game, 18 week season. Four and three still in a decent position, and they would take down a fellow wildcard contender in the Browns. They would have that tiebreaker over them. I would still have an optimistic viewpoint, but I would like to see how they played to get that win and how you know awfully they played to get that loss against the Raiders. And I know this; these are the quotes from today, and I know one of the ones that you really liked. Uh, here's some quotes on John Brown. We can start there. He, he guessed, you know, he was asked what he saw from John Brown in his first practice with the team. He was signed a couple days ago and the type of impact he believes Brown can have. And keep in mind, Brown's on the practice squad right now, not the active roster. He said, we're getting him going. We're trying to have something hopefully strategic for him to do in the game. He's very fast. He's a pro. Thanks, Pat. We've had enough conversations with him over a short period of time to see he's a real pro and he's trying to pick up things as quickly as possible. It's a credit to him. And uh, receivers coach Zach Azani is working hard with him. We're trying to give him plays that he can go in and use his skill set. That translates to what, Scott? And what is his skill set? He's fast and he's a pro. That's, that's his skill set. So we're trying to do some simple things to take care of his skill set. To me, it sounds like we want to get him involved. That, that's what it translates to me. We want to get him involved. And we're going to find ways to get the ball in his hand where he can be, he can be fast. Uh, you know, a jet sweep here and there, something, something like that, uh, a quick hitter, and then, you know, stretch the field and do those type of things. That's what I hear. And again, that's not all that complicated. I can get him a package of 10 to 15 plays that he knows, and I can get him on the field. That's, that's not all that complicated for him. You underestimate Pat Schirmer, Scott. I mean, 10 plays of a, of a speedy guy calling nine routes for him. That's too much for Pat Schirmer to handle at one time. Again, if he wasn't utilizing KJ Hamler in that role, and if he hasn't utilized David Moore, who has the same skill set as Hamler and John Brown, what makes us believe he's going to use John Brown correctly? It's a great signing from George Payton in week six off the street to get a twice thousand yard receiver that gives the Broncos element more speed. But until we see Pat Shermer demonstrate an ability and a grasp of a 2021 offense and, and the play calling that goes along with it, I'm still leaning on Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. It's the only guys that they're calling plays for. And uh, on, on after base, uh, John Clay eventing comes in also and says, what concerns me is that if Shermer somehow guides his offense to a playoff berth, will he be brought back in 2022? Uh, that'd be Good a nice point. problem to have is part of the problem is part of the problem is again, how does it get done? Um, are you sitting there at 28, 29 or 30 on offense and your defense for what it's worth is still the number two scoring defense in the NFL. It's still the number two scoring defense in the NFL. I know we've talked about, there's some problems here. There's some problems there, but overall 
the thing that matters is keep putting points on the board and keeping points off the board. And the Broncos are the second best team in the NFL right now. Um, so there will be circumstances. I, I see where you you would have those type of concerns, but it sure would be nice to make the playoffs and find out. Uh, appreciate the super on that, John. And this was uh, – I know this was a quote that you had taken special uh, liking to. I'll go ahead and read it. On any uh, consideration has been given on using the no-huddle offense sooner in games. And then um, – that's I'm going to read it, and I think the voice that Zach wants to hear it, and you know, that's a good thought. <laughs> I think there are times when we'll do that. We were in what we call save mode. We were down by two scores, so you go a little faster. It's not a true no huddle, but we're executing at the line of scrimmage. Our guys did a good job with that, and it's something to think about. Now, my something evaluation of Teddy Bridgewater coming out of high school and why I thought he was going to be a successful collegian and why I pushed for him being ranked so high – um, was because if you watched him in a two-minute offense, I said, just put him four wide and put him in a two-minute offense and just watch him go to work. Uh, the man's incredibly smart, and he had plenty of arm for the next level, a good athlete for the next level from from college, from high school to college. So he's perfectly capable of running a no-huddle, quick style of offense at the line of scrimmage, which in, in essence takes Shermer out of the equation. Well, I just want to add to your point real quick. He said, that's a good thought, and then he added, it's something to think about. The inference there is that he hasn't thought about it, and it seems like it was a thought that was in front of him for the first time in his life. To even to even say that publicly, I mean, to even, even if he's being honest, to be that brutally honest and indict yourself as that incompetent, I just can't fathom it. That's a good thought to go more up-tempo when you have two great running backs and a great skill set and a quarterback that's demonstrated when you play faster, and Drew Locke included for that matter, good things happen. That's a good thought. We have the guys to do it, and we'll think about doing that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so you, get, you get so worked up about what these guys say in press conferences. You know what I hear? But Nothing. it's demonstrated. It's not just words. It's his actions, too. I mean, yeah. he's demonstrated to that's, be that bad. That's what bothers me. That's what bothers me. When, you, when you've when got a quarterback that you don't believe in and an interior offensive line that's struggling and you throw the ball 50 times and, and only run the ball four times. If I got Moody and Quinn Miners coming in, I'm going to run the ball. What do they want to do? They want to run the ball. How do you protect young offensive linemen, interior linemen? A guy like Quinn Miners? You run it. You don't do that. That's the kind of stuff. Those are the actions that drive me batty. I could give a crap what they say in public. I didn't ever used to listen until I kind of had to. I mean, to your point, when Bill Belichick is praising someone, yeah, it's coach speak, but if Pat Shermer says something, it's the truth because he's demonstrated to be that incompetent. Watch what they do, not what they say. In Pat Shermer's case, both are true. Because he's not smart enough to be deceptive. <laughs> right. You're right. Even, even, even behind a podium. doesn't matter if he's wearing a headset or at a press conference. He doesn't have it, you know? You hate to see it. Yeah. Uh, well, what do we need to see this weekend? We're coming up. we got about 10 minutes or so yeah. left. What do we need to see this weekend besides a response? <laughs> um, you know, I, I've got some thoughts on how to attack this team and how to keep from being attacked. You know, the, the top, as you mentioned, a top five passing attack. But as you've, have you studied the Raiders a little bit? And let's think of them as the Raiders that you should be facing, not the Raiders that you might be facing with all of this, the uh, off-the-field stuff that they've been going through. I mean, minus the head coach, it's the Raiders that swept the, the Broncos last year. They beat them twice. I mean, it's pretty much the same team, if not better, uh, defensively a little bit. 
On offense, we talked about Pat Shermer and all the other things that go along with the coaching, but just get the running game going. Take the pressure off Teddy. Set up the play action. Uh, you know, set up bootlegs for Teddy to take advantage of his legs and kind of let the Broncos uh, players downfield develop. Get the receivers going, whether it's David Moore or John Brown. Throw some deep shots. Don't play uh, horizontal east and west football. Don't play in a phone booth. Take some shots down the field. You can definitely succeed against this uh, Raiders secondary. They're a far cry from Baltimore and a further cry from Pittsburgh. So just be aggressive um, and be up-tempo. I know it's a good thought, Scott, to be up-tempo, but you actually have to follow through with that. That's offense. On defense, rush Derek Carr. That's a guy that when you pressure him, I know it goes for all quarterbacks, but De Derek Carr has a tendency to really melt down. When you put the pressure on, that's when the turnovers come. You saw it a few weeks ago um, in one of the games that he played. Cover, please, for the love of God, cover Darren Waller. It's his favorite target, and the Broncos can't cover a tight. Please, I don't care if you triple team him. Put Sertan, put Darby, Callahan. I don't really care. AJ Johnson, just please contain Darren Waller. Don't let Henry Ruggs beat you over the top like Hollywood Brown did for Baltimore a few weeks ago. Just. Play smart on defense and play aggressive on defense, and I think you have a chance to have a good afternoon. Whew, that was a lot. I, I had like five points that I either wanted to agree with or <clears throat> counter or add to, and let me see if I can remember some of them. Uh, one of mine, for sure, uh, you mentioned uh, attacking them, running the ball, establishing the run. Their run defense isn't good. It's not good. And Teddy Bridgewater is a better quarterback than Justin Fields right now. You're, you're more threat of the passing game. And they still ran on them. The Chicago Bears still had success running against this defense. They looked uninspired. And I couldn't remember exactly when everything was breaking until I was, you know, did, did they already know about this? Was there already some questions about John Gruden? Because they went out there and played like they weren't going to be bothered on right. defense against the Bears. And the Bears aren't a good offense right now. So attack them. Attack them in the middle. The linebackers were playing deep. They were soft. Denzel Perryman had a good game, but he was the only one that stood out to me on defense. Attack them. Run the attack and go after them on, and, and to set up the play action, like you said. On defense, you said, uh, you know, it goes for all quarterbacks. I agree with one exception as far as pressuring them. The one exception is I want to just build a little nice wall around Zach Wilson and give him all the time he wants to throw the ball. <laughs> That's the Fair one point. exception. I want him making decisions back there in the pocket. <laughs> Everybody else I want to put pressure on. The only time that Zach Wilson from the Jets, and y'all saw it, the only time he scares me is when he freelances, when he gets out of the pocket and doesn't get to think anymore and just gets to throw the ball 80 yards. That's the only time he scares me. But I saw one of the worst offensive line performances that I think I can remember watching Alex Leatherwood at right guard. And I've seen some bad ones with the Falcons. It's time for a drink. With uh, Jalen Mayfield, the rookie who shouldn't be playing but got forced into action, uh, was just abused by the Eagles in week one. Leatherwood was worse. He was worse that last week against the Bears. Uh, there was a fourth and one play or a third and one. And <clears throat> I was watching the condensed version, and all I heard was Charles Davis say, uh, right guard number 70. And at that point, Eddie Goldman takes him five yards into the backfield on a short yardage play. At worst, you're you're hoping to get a stalemate there. Uh, penalties. If you can attack anything, this is a this is a game where your front four. I mean, I know it's a three-four, so you got five up there all the time. But if you're rushing four and being conservative, that Von Miller and Draymond Jones on that left side of your line can absolutely attack 
the Raiders offensive line, the right side, and specifically Alex Leatherwood, if they don't get him help, they're going to get Derek Carr killed. That's also dependent on the Broncos' pass rush getting home. I mean, opposite Von Miller, they've had nothing with Bradley Chubb injured. Malik Reed, he had a nice sack, but he's still, I think Chad, you know, nailed it best with Malik Reed. Very try hard guy, but not a game changer as the Von Miller's bookend. And how about the interior? Shelby Harris is on a milk carton right now, Scott. He's nowhere to be found, and they really can't, they're not calling a lot of safety blitzes, cornerback blitzes. It's very uninspiring when they do send pressure, but if you do, I promise you, like Scott laid out, the offensive line for the Raiders is that susceptible, and they should be able to get home. And if once they do that, you never know. Could lead to a sack fumble. You can change field position. Just let the defense help the offense and vice versa, and uh, given the other things going on, the turmoil, it should be a Broncos win. Uh, should be is the operative word. All right. Now that I've seen everybody that got a chance to see everybody that's given stars, uh, I, I want to uh, recognize everybody because we didn't get to do it with your with your chats as much. So right now, this has been a big night with the stars. That's a lot of stars. We're going to be that much closer to catching up to being on pace for goal because of Travis Weber and Michael Ronquillo and Lawrence Rivera. And Josh Hoyle, Travis Tarbox, Claude Riley, Randy Jones, Shane Daniels, Mike Reno, David Wilder, Tim Hoffman, Mark Lindemood, Andrew Baker. I'm going to have to take a breath. Gary Leeds Palmer, Andrew Lamp or Lampy, uh, Steve Lazuski. Andrew, you're going to have to tell me exactly how to say that. If it's Lamp or Lampy, it's Lampy. I feel bad if I'm saying your name wrong. Um, Thanks, guys. Uh, you know, we, we got to see the, the, the YouTube stuff coming in, and I haven't been able to keep up with the, the Facebook stuff coming in. So uh, at the very least, let us recognize you for the great contributions that you have made to the show tonight. We certainly appreciate everything coming in, and I look forward to seeing that 32% start closing the gap on, on the line. If you have a line of what you need to be at, we're under it right now, but it's going to cross over. We're going to be giving away that Patrick Sertan jersey for sure. Before we get out of here, Scott, do you want to give your score prediction for Sunday's game? It's the last huddle up pod before the game. I can give mine. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know that y'all like to say check out the uh, the the roundtable, but I'm not on it, so uh, I'm not giving anything away. I, I like the Broncos in this one. I think they're better. I, I just think they're flat out better. I said that against uh, the Ravens, except if you let the uh, except if you let Lamar Jackson be an MVP. And if you, if you if he's the best player on the field, then you've got problems. Which he was. But I was so concerned with what I saw on the offensive and defensive line with the Raiders. I don't know how the hell they won three games, honestly. Um, the over-under on this one was 44, and the Broncos are favored by three and a half. I like the Broncos in the neighborhood of 24-17, um, 24-13, somewhere in that neighborhood, which means they would cover. I don't feel as good about them covering as I do about the under. I do like the under on this one. Uh, Even when the Broncos were dominating bad teams, there weren't high-scoring games. They weren't converting and putting in a bunch of touchdowns on this. So unless you're getting some defensive or special team scores, uh, I don't expect a high-scoring game on either side of this. Chicago and the Raiders, 29 points, I think, was about right. Was it 29, 20 to 9? So 29 total points should be a few more, but I don't expect a ton more. A 27-13, 27-17 feels about right to me. We are seeing completely eye-at-eye on that. The first score that popped into my mind was 24-19. Kind of a weird score, but a one-possession kind of game. I think the Broncos really should win. They should be able to get into the 20. 
uh, point range, and uh, they, it's a victory they have to have. It's a season-saving victory. They're at home. I would take the under. I think the Broncos uh, will come out on top, but be sure to check out the Roundtable article for more on that. We'll have the predictions from all the experts. we got to get you on there, Scott. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, give scores. Uh, I'm pretty good at being a consultant. If I start putting my own money out there, things get weird. They get they get really strange. So I made my buddy a grand. If you're following me on Twitter, I said the easiest money of the year was Georgia covering 14 against Auburn. That was easy money. Easy money. I said I had them by 30, and the line was 14. Take it. Take the points and run. So uh, I don't do, like, all the picks, but every once in a while I'll see one that kind of lights up for me. And like, are you out of your mind? And uh, if I was going to go anything right now, if I had to pick one of these, I'd pick the under. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Nathan, uh, coming in at the last second, $1.99 super sticker. We appreciate you, Nathan. And uh, that's going to do it, though, for us tonight, Scott. I think you're like the uh, the Ernie Adams, the consultant of the uh, the Mile I Huddle brand. You know, just kind of hanging in the background, but kind of giving your two cents, which is very much appreciated, and uh, we value it greatly. But uh, that's going to be it for us, guys, until Sunday for the Gut Reaction Podcast right after the Broncos-Raiders game at 225 Mountain. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Until then, at Huddle Up Pod, you can follow the main account for all your Broncos news, analysis, rumors, transactions, film breakdowns, and so much more at Mile I Huddle. Again, follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. Follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Go to HuddleUpPod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself an MHH hat. Get yourself a Broncos for breakfast coffee cup. Get yourself a hoodie for the upcoming fall and winter seasons. Anything you guys want is in that store. Also, Facebook.com slash Huddle. Hit that big blue button. Become a supporter. We didn't have one last week. New episode of KK coming this Sunday to get you guys ready and right for the Broncos game. Also, Trickle Zone and Broncos Book Club. a month, guys. Very much appreciated. Very good content over there. Also, Facebook.com slash MileHighHuddlePod. Like that page and follow that page. And if you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. But you can't do any of those things. Just do these three things that take a few seconds. Subscribe to this video. Like this video. Share this video. And in fact, every single video you see on the MHH channel, it helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Scott, any last words for tonight? Uh, just thanks to you. Thanks to you, Zach, for having me on. Of course. Uh, let me come in and, and guest with you today. Thanks to Chad for the opportunity. And thanks to all of you for making this so much fun. Uh, Mark from Georgia, certainly appreciate you. Yes, Michaela, thank you, Mark. Everybody that came Michaela. in, Nodge, and if, uh, Michael Ranquillo is always here. Gary, uh, Stuart McPeak, I could go on and on. Uh, you make this so much fun for me to do, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, everyone is definitely worth thanking. We we seriously are so grateful for each and every one of you. But, Mark, when you go above and beyond like that, man, once again, thank you so much. I'm going to send you a nice text message to show my, my gratitude further. But that's going to be it for the Huddle Up Pod this week. We'll see you guys Sunday. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.